Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, which we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Tom blog. This week, we're going to be talking about the new article that was written called Tis the Season to Be Tax Planning. I know, that's not how the song goes, but man, what a great time of the year to celebrate with family, all the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, times to rest and relax. But guess what? It's also the last six weeks of the year, so it also is a really good time to do some tax planning. These are your final six weeks to reduce your 2019 tax bill. So today we're going to be talking about just a few strategies. This is not an exhaustive list on the things that you can do before the end of the year, but what are a few strategies that maybe you don't think about a lot that you could implement to reduce your tax bill? So let's get right into it. The first thing that I talked about in the article was this idea of lumping your charitable giving. Now, that sounds a little bit goofy, but uh, this is how it works. When the new tax act was passed in 2017, the standard deduction for taxes increased. So for married couples filing jointly, it went up to $24,400 this year. And so that means if perhaps you don't have enough mortgage interest deduction or charitable giving to get above that threshold of $24,400, means you take the standard deduction. Is that a bad thing? No, not at all. Um, Increasing the standard deduction was a a great thing because it made a lot of people's um, tax preparation easier and cheaper. It also reduced a lot of people's tax bill. But for those folks that enjoyed itemizing for the fact that they could, you know, derive some tax benefit from their charitable giving, they no longer were able to do that. So what is a strategy that somebody could implement to be able to take advantage of that charitable giving? So what I what I did here was I gave kind of an oversimplified uh, example of somebody that gives $20,000 a year, and that would be their only deduction. They are a couple married, filing jointly. So like we said, they get that standard deduction of $24,400. Now that $20,000 charitable gift, that's sizable, right? But it's not above the standard deduction. So there's no way to kind of glean a tax benefit. So what we talked about in the article is, hey, what if instead of giving $20,000 a year, they gave 40000 every other year. Conceptually, the same thing, right? But that $40,000 gift being above and beyond the 24400 allows somebody to itemize every other year and glean a pretty significant tax benefit from that deduction. Now, my initial objection in the article would be, hey, that sounds really good, like saving the money tax-wise, but as somebody who, who enjoys charitable giving, I like to give on a monthly basis. I don't like the idea of just giving a lump sum to, to my charity and, and not giving anything next year. So is there potentially a solution where I could still give monthly, but grab that tax benefit in, in this year, in 2019? And there definitely is. It's called a donor advised fund. Uh, the term you'll hear often is called a DAF. And the way a DAF works is you can make a charitable contribution into a DAF, it's a, an investment fund or um, however you'd want to describe it that you'd be able to see on whatever custodian you have, Schwab or Fidelity or, or Vanguard or wherever you're uh, investing. And when you make the contribution into the account, you get the tax deduction for that year. Once the money makes its way into the account, you can choose stocks and bonds and different investments of, of, of how you want it allocated. And then in the future according to whatever timeline that you would like, you can distribute that money to a qualified 501c3. And it's pretty easy. My family uses a donor advised fund. So when we want to give to an organization, I just grab my phone, I click on the app, I look up the organization, it lists all 501c3s that are registered in the United States. I hit the button to say grant and it sends them money really easy. So 
if you are somebody that maybe has that standard deduction, but you're pre, you're giving significantly, and, and if you gave every other year, you could take advantage of that deduction. Uh, the donor advised fund could be a solution. You know who else it could be a really good solution for is maybe you have an anomaly year. Maybe you have a sale of something, a business, a property, uh, or something that is extraordinary to your normal tax situation, and this year your tax bill is going to be heavier than it normally is. Well, maybe that would justify taking next year's giving, putting it into the donor advised fund this year, and then just distributing it monthly as you normally would next year. This is a great subject to sit down with your advisor and your tax professional because, like I said, strategies like this, they can save a significant amount of money in taxes And honestly, I don't think I've ever met somebody that doesn't like to pay less in taxes. So that was one of the strategies we talked about. The second strategy we talked about in the article was called tax loss harvesting. And conceptually, this is actually a pretty simple strategy, but it's not implemented by a lot of folk. Maybe people aren't familiar with it or kind of how to navigate it. But let me explain it to you. At the end of the year, when you look at your portfolio, if you have a diversified portfolio, you're typically going to have... I don't know, let's say you have 5, 10, 20, 30 different itemized investments inside of your portfolio, whatever that number might be. As you look across those line items, you're going to have some investments that probably did really well in 2019. And you're going to have some investments that didn't do so well. So those investments are going to have these embedded, what we would call unrealized losses or gains. And what I mean by unrealized is for tax purposes, If you bought a stock for $100 and it was worth $100,000 today, there's not a tax consequence involved with that. The tax consequence comes when you actually sell that position, and that's called realizing those gains. But if you look at your portfolio with any of these custodians, like I mentioned earlier, Schwab or Fidelity, they're going to list what your unrealized gain or loss is. The way tax loss harvesting works is that if you go across – all these line items and you find two, three, four, five, six different investments that have an unrealized loss, perhaps those are investments that you still want to own, but it would be beneficial for you to extract that loss and take the tax benefit in 2019. What you might want to do, and this is what tax loss harvesting is, is you might want to sell one of those positions. Now you could replace it with a similar position. Maybe you owned uh, you know, a soft drink company and you could replace it with a a similar company that's in the same industry. The IRS just says that you have to not own that investment for 30 days in order to be able to realize that loss. So you hold it for 31 days, and you could swap it back. The benefit there is that, going back to my earlier analogy, let's say you you bought $100,000 worth of stock, and then today it's worth $80,000, right? You still love the stock, the idea, and you believe it's a great investment for the long run, but there's this $20,000 of unrealized losses that you could realize. They could be used to offset some of your gains and put you in a better tax situation. So maybe you sell that position. You realize that $20,000 loss that's going to be a benefit to you tax-wise. And then 31 days later, you could repurchase that position. So... This is a strategy you'd want to work with your advisor on and do across your portfolio to, like I said, extract some of those losses that could be beneficial to you in this tax year, and they could be used to offset gains. The reason that that might be important to look at in 2019 is a lot of investments have done very well in 2019. So there's a good chance that you might have some realized capital gains. So doing this due diligence and extracting some of these losses could create a 
pretty easy offset and puts you in a, again, a more favorable tax situation. Um, the last thing we ended off with, probably the simplest of the, the three strategies and one you're familiar with but can often be forgotten, it's this idea that there are retirement accounts that you can place money into and they allow you to defer your income. What that means is that if I set aside money in these particular accounts, think 401ks, 403bs, IRAs, even health savings accounts, if I set aside money in these accounts um, in a year like 2019, what happens is that money uh, becomes not taxable. It's it's a deduction. And because the money is not taxable, yes, it's probably going to be taxable in the future, depending on what type of account it is and kind of how you resource it, but it reduces your taxable income today. Now, again, it's probably an obvious truth to you, but what I see is a lot of people have their paycheck set up where they're deferring income automatically. And maybe you're deferring 4% a month or uh, 4% a year, I meant, um, or 6% or whatever it might be. When you get to the end of the year, maybe you're not maximizing that opportunity, right? Maybe a particular account allows you to defer $19,000 a year. And you're deferring $16,000 a year based on your systematic saving. Well, maybe you call your HR and at the end of the year, you up those contributions for the last few paychecks. Why? Because it's a chance to reduce your tax bill. So one way you should really conceptually think about that is you should look at your total income because that's what's going to essentially that's what you're going to pay taxes on one way or the other, right? And you should look at your expenses. If there's a a gap between what you need to kind of live your lifestyle and what you actually make, that surplus, you should probably figure out ways to set it aside so that you can prepare yourself more prudently for taxes, right? So let me explain that in a more simple fashion. If I make $200,000 a year, and my expenses are, you know, in in totality are 150,000 and there's an extra $50,000 each year that, you know, ends up in my checking or savings account. Hey, why not set aside that in a deferred account for, you know, $19,000 or whatever the the limitation is and reduce my tax bill by, you know, whatever the calculation is on $19,000 extra of income. So, again, not super complex, but often skipped over is that, hey, if you have opportunities to defer more income and it is beneficial to you tax-wise, you should do it. So at the end of the day, we presented three strategies, some that you may have heard of, some that you may not have heard of. But the encouragement is that you should sit down with your advisor and your tax professional and you should go through how these strategies might impact your own situation or maybe they have some ideas of some other strategies. I would not be surprised if you go through this exercise and you find ways to reduce your tax bill by thousands of dollars, right? Because not a lot of us are sitting down and doing these things and maybe our systems that we have in place aren't optimal from a tax perspective. So again, I know Thanksgiving, family, vacations, rest, all these things at this time of the year should be described about, but just take a moment to set aside to look at your situation and see if you can improve your 2019 tax bill. That's my guidance and advice for today. And we'll use that as the closure for our podcast. And as always, if you don't mind rating the show uh, or leaving a comment on bottom, we'd really appreciate it. And you're always welcome to email me at tcummings at thebonsongroup.com with any questions or comments. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. 
This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.